Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. Oh my God, what will happen when the children of God finally decide to no longer be ruled by fear? Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Well, if you can stand, come on and stand with me. Go to the book of Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke 16. Luke 16. And uh, we're going to read. Well, I'll read and you read along with me. Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. Our Lord is wonderful. He is magnificent. We bless the name of Jesus. We lift him up. We adore him. When I come to church, I come to lift up the name of Jesus. I come to lift him up. There are too many other places where we are forced to remain silent. But when I'm at home, when I'm at church, I refuse to be silent. Luke 16. And the Bible reads here as thus. And he said also unto his disciples, the Lord Jesus speaking, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that uh, he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their home, to their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, uh, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. Help me read verse number eight. Ready? Let's read. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of mammon, friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least it's unjust also in much. Let's read verse 11 together. Ready? Let's read. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you so much. In verse 12 reads, that if, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? 
No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Today, Lord willing, we want to speak from the subject of it's time to live. This is the word that I've heard from the Lord to give you today. And uh, I'll be expecting the Holy Spirit of God to help bring this together for you. It's time to live. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's time to live. Notice here in verse number one of Luke 16, it says that uh, there was a certain rich man. Uh, and he had a steward or a manager. This is, was someone who was assigned to manage his wealth. And when you get to the point in your life uh, that you have so much money that you have to have several accountants, that's a lot of money. And this was an accountant, uh, someone uh, that was in his accounting portion, that he had so much wealth. Uh, and this person was an accountant or, or manager or steward, and he had heard that this individual had been squandering the money. Maybe if we would say in today's time, maybe he uh, spent too much time in the private jet or, or maybe he expensed too many hotel stays. Or he just squandered the money. Instead of making more of it, he, he squandered it. And uh, let's look at verse number 8. Now we see what happens at the, in the conclusion of this, which is at uh, verse number 8. Uh, verse 8 says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. He had done wisely. Now, what did he do wisely? Of course, we know that he's not talking about the squandering of the money, but how he related to others. How he related to them. Uh, the word commend him means to approve. It means to praise. So the rich man commended or he praised him that he was able to relate to other people wisely. He used the resources that he had to build other people up, to give them a hand up, to do something for them that they could not have done for themselves. Understand that. In order for us to live, we're going to have to put ourselves out there. And we're going to have to use the gifts that God has given us to help someone else. Now, we can just sit at home, and I believe I heard the deaconess say this morning, we can sit at home and... Uh, we can just watch TV all day and, and not get involved in other people's lives. But that is not what the Lord Jesus wants. We have to get involved. we got to make some type of commitment to someone else to help them uh, get through the things that they have to. Now, I'm going to read the verse number 8 uh, to you out of the Amplified and the New Living Translation and also the Message Bible. I want you to uh, hear what it says. Bob says in verse 8, I'm amplified. It says, his master, uh, rather, and his master praised the dishonest, unjust manager for acting shrewdly and prudently. For the sons of this age are shrewder and more prudent and wiser in relation to their generation, to their own age and kind, than are the sons of light. There are some that really just know how to relate to other people, really know how to talk to people. They get involved. But it is some of us that are in the children of light that have been damaged so much that we no longer know how to relate to others. 
we just sort of shield ourselves or lock ourselves away, just sit in our comfort zone in, in the corner because we don't want anyone else to hurt us. We don't want to be rejected. But understand, to shield yourself from other people also means to damage yourself. You are actually destroying yourself. We were not made uh, to be alone. The Lord says in the book of Genesis, man, uh, it's not good that man be alone. Now, he was not in that context. God was not talking about uh, it's not good for a man not to have a wife because if that were true, uh, then every man should be married. But not every man desires to be married. Uh, the Bible says that uh, there are some men that are consecrated unto the Lord. They are single by choice. Some are eunuchs by choice. You know, and, and this is the, the lot that God has given them. And there are some women uh, that, that are without marriage and don't want to be married. That's their part. So God's not talking in the book of Genesis. He's not talking that every man should have a, a wife, but every man needs companionship. And that's what the Bible talks about. Everybody needs somebody else. So we were not intended, we were not made to be alone, to stay in solitude. But we're going to have to, uh, in order to experience life, the fullness of life that Jesus has commanded us and that he has given to us, we're going to have to make ourselves vulnerable and get out there. Hallelujah. Make yourself vulnerable, take a risk, and get out there. The Lord commended this unjust steward. He commended this manager because he took a risk and he got out there. And he's saying the same to us today. Now, look at, um, rather, we'll look at uh, verse number eight out of the New Living Translation. And it says, the rich man uh, had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an everlasting, or rather into an eternal home. Uh, the New Living Translation says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. There are several other networking groups, and, and there are business meetings going on now in the bars and on the golf courses and, and in hotel rooms and all these other things. There are, the world is out there doing business, and they're seeing how their company can benefit another company. They're, they're seeing how we can, there are different corporations that are, are trying to make alliances one with another, but somehow the children of light get things mixed up. Because we'll have one church that will stay over here in the corner, and we won't talk to the other church because we think that they may steal our members. Or we'll say that uh, my pastor is better than your pastor, as it said in Scripture. Well, I'm with Apollos, and, and I'm with Paul. And he said, what, what, what? You don't understand. I mean, uh, Paul, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? It is only God, and it's, it's he that brings the increase. For some reason, we stay to ourselves and not want and we don't want to give out to others don't want to network don't want to connect because we're afraid of being hurt afraid of being rejected afraid of being used afraid of being abused so we will keep the gift that God has given to us and we'll lock it away and that's not what God wants now we can see this same thing of course here in the book of Matthew 
Matthew 25, you can grab a hold of that. Matthew 25. We've got to live. It's time to live. It's time to live. You cannot let the gates of hell prevail against you. And one of the weapons of the gates of hell is fear. We can no longer live in fear. We are afraid as this man is in, and, uh, in Matthew 25. He was afraid of making wrong decisions. And the fear of making wrong decisions will keep you locked up and will keep the gates of hell against you. You cannot live your life in fear of always making the wrong choices. That will paralyze you and cause no forward momentum. You will not produce any fruit. Things will go down. But let me read uh, verse 8 to you out of the Message Bible. of um, Here again, Luke 16, and then we'll get to Matthew 25. Listen to what the Message Bible says. It puts a little bit different spin on it. Uh, verses 8 and 9 of uh, the Message Bible of Luke 16 chapter. It says, now here's a surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. Now I'll stop right there for a second. For some reason, those that are in the house of the Lord, some of the people in the house of the Lord, after they give their lives to Jesus, they stop thinking for themselves. And they want everybody else to think for them. Before they got saved, they knew how to pay a light bill. Before they got saved, they knew how to pay a gas bill. But now that they've given their lives to the Lord and become children of the light, it's like they don't know how to go out and get a job anymore. Now let's all tarry around the altar and do nothing and expect God to do everything. But the Lord said the children of the world are wiser. They know how to put works with their faith. They go out and they are believing that they get a job, so they'll actually go out and fill out an application. If you didn't believe that you would get a job, you wouldn't go out and fill out an application. But they believe that they're going to get it, and they'll believe they get that promotion. That's why, they're cry That's why they will crawl all over each other like crabs in a bucket trying to get ahead. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But for some reason, we want everybody else in the church to make our decisions for us. The pastor does not have the authority to make decisions for you. The pastor can only advise you through the word of God as to what you should do. But it is up to you to make the decisions. Hallelujah. In the church, you wait for someone else to put you in your ministry, to put you in your position. God will tell so-and-so. How how, don't you think that God has been telling you that that is your place? That is what you are supposed to do? But we're hemmed up because we don't want to make the wrong decision. So I'm not going to do anything. So I'm going to wait on them to come and tell me what to do. Foolish one. Don't you hear the word of God that is echoing now in your spirit? Hear what the Lord says and act upon what he says. Don't wait on others to tell you what God has already told you. Oh, now that's a word. I pray that you heard that. Don't wait on others to tell you what God has already told you, what is already confirmed in your heart. Are you with me? If you have to do what Gideon did, Lord, if, if this is you, then do so and so and so and so. Make this 
true to me. Let me know that this is you so that I can move out on what you said. Gideon's heart was right with God. He wanted to do what God said, but he was just unsure if this was God saying it. And don't you know God can work with that? He can work with that. Sure he can. But there are too many of, too many of the children of light that are, that are just walking around doing nothing, waiting on someone else to tell them what to do. I pray that's not you today. The Bible says again in the, in the uh, Message Bible, it says streetwise people are smarter in uh, this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angels, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in, this, in, in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. And that's what a lot of us are doing. Just trying our best to be good and never experience life. Never live. We're concentrating on being safe and never experience life. Never give ourselves to anything. Never make a commitment to anything because I could be wrong. If I speak up, I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I'll be punished. We're not expecting anyone to break out a belt or break out a whip. But we think about punishment as a harsh look or harsh glance or punishment as in they're going to laugh at me. Something's going to happen to me. They're not going to respect me anymore if I stand up and make a statement. But that's not living. You're locked away in a prison cell. And Jesus desires that you would have life and have life more abundantly. It is the enemy that has come to take from you, but Jesus came to add to you. But as long as we're living in fear of making the wrong decisions or in fear of consequences, we will never move forward. As long as you are afraid of the consequences, even of the simplest things, the simplest things, the most basic things, like giving in a tithe and an offering, most basic of things. If we're afraid of giving, Lord, I love you and I would do that, but I'm afraid if I give this to you, this is going to happen. And so fear rules your life and you lock yourself out of the abundance that God has for you because of fear. Lord, I'm afraid if, if, if I, I know um, Susie and I are, are living together and we, we are not married. And, and, and I know that if I tell her we're going to have to get married, uh, you know, she's got um, uh, these commitment complexes. And if I, if I try to say that, she's going to leave me. And I don't want Susie to leave me. So I'm just going to stay like we are. Why? Because we're afraid of the consequences of doing right things. 
I'm afraid that if I, uh, that, that, that if I go down to that church and people are going to see, well, he's a black pastor and, 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 and I'm not black. What is my family going to say if I go down to that church? I know you're calling me to go down there, God. Every time I hear the word from his mouth, I know I'm supposed to be there, but I'm afraid to do that because they don't look like me and because what people are going to say. How long are we going to live in darkness and in fear, afraid to do what God said? Are you hearing what we're saying to you? Afraid of the consequences, afraid of the outcome. Well, that's what happened there in the book of Matthew, 25th chapter. The Lord, this master here had servants and two did well and one didn't do well. And let's look at him. In Matthew 25, out of the King James Version, in verse number 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lo, or rather, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine, or here it is. Verse 26, just the first part, he said, His Lord answered and said unto to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou wicked and slothful servant. He didn't like that. He didn't like it. I invested a gift in you. The master said, and, and this gift, the gift of God, is just not for you. The gift that's in you, we may belittle it and we may say we don't have anything. I don't have a gift, but it's either you telling a lie or God's telling a lie. And I'm going to believe him. The gift of God inside of you is not just for you, but it's for the world that's around you. There's something in you that will bless someone else. God created you to be an answer to someone else's problem. Something that you will say or something that you will do is locked up in you and must come forth. But we hold the gift of God because we think so little of ourselves. When God thinks so much of you, so very, so very much of you. But we refuse to release the gift because we are afraid. This man saw, I'm sure saw the other two servants trading every day in the marketplace. The one that had five, well, he doubled it to ten. And the one that had uh, the three or the two, well, he doubled it too. They both had double. They both did great. They did well. And this man that did nothing saw, but was afraid. Afraid if he puts his gifts out there, what's going to happen? What if they don't like me? What if they don't like what I do? What if they don't like how I sound? What if I stutter again? What if, what if I cry again? What if I get nervous? What if this and what if that and what if this and what if that? Afraid of consequences of things that have not happened, but you think they might happen. And just the thought of it keeps you locked down in your place. 
But the day when the children of light, oh my God, the day when the children of light decide that I will no longer be locked down, I refuse to be locked up, I refuse to be chained, I am not an animal, and devil, you will no longer hold me, and I will go to the places that I, that I was afraid to go. I will say the things that I was afraid to say. I will do the things that I was afraid to do. I will not be locked up. I will not be bound. I will, re I refuse to be be restrained the gift of God will come forth and it will come forth with boldness power and conviction oh my God what will happen when the children of God finally decide to no longer be ruled by fear what will happen when we no longer decide to be ruled by fear if Saul came up with that conclusion then he would not have lost his kingdom. But he allowed the fear of the people. I was afraid of the people. Saul knew, King Saul knew exactly what God said. He knew exactly what God said to do. But it was fear that kept him locked away. It was the gates of hell that had him locked away. And he refused to do what God said because of consequences. I'm afraid that if I do this, they're not going to like me. I'm afraid that if I do this or say this or if I say no to them, that they're going to leave me. I know what God said. I know that he is God, but I know that God will understand if I disobey him this time. And maybe things will turn out right through my disobedience. Maybe God will bless me anyway because I'm disobedient. Maybe he'll be merciful unto me. That just doesn't work. It just doesn't work when we know what we refuse to do. See, there's a difference in being rebellious toward God. I'm just not going to do it. Then there is to say, Lord, I know what you said. And I can see some consequences. But I love you more. Would you just give me the courage to do what you said? Would you just help me? I want to be right. I want to be safe. I want to be pure. I want to do everything that you asked me to do. But I just need some help to do that. So, Lord, I'm going to begin to walk over here and make some steps toward it. But I'm afraid of this. This thing is so big and its teeth are so sharp and it's hideous. And, oh, God, I don't want that consequence in my life. But if you said I have to go, I'll go. I just need you to help me. There's a difference in that altogether. Altogether. The Lord Jesus said it in this regard. He said it like this in, in Luke 9. And let's, let's go over to Luke 9. You see, God has so many great things for us. But we're so afraid to do what he said because of consequences. If I do this then I can't do that. If I do this, then that will happen. Afraid of consequences. I would rather just do what he said and leave the rest up to him than to die in disobedience, never having lived. 
See, the children of Israel also knew that God said cross over the river, cross over the Jordan. They knew God said it. They knew. This is the promised land. This is fruit. They knew God was saying it. They had the prophet. They knew all that, the cloud. They had it all. They had it all. There was no, there was no indecision about it. They knew that God was saying, do this. But they refused because they were afraid. And they thought that God would bless them anyway somehow in the wilderness. Well, he kept them, but they never advanced. They never went anywhere. They never, they never did anything. That generation died in the wilderness. They had no movement. They had no fruit. They were useless, a useless people to God. They were useless. They had no intimacy with God. See, when we, when we refuse him, we refuse intimacy. And I got to be intimate with God. When we refuse out of fear, even when we are with, with, with our spouses or with our friends or relationships, if we refuse to say no to them out of fear, if it's as simple as, no, I don't want to go to that movie, uh, I just don't like that, and I don't want to go to that movie, let's go over here instead. But it's as, if it's as simple as saying no to the movie, but you won't say no because of you know, well, it may hurt them, or I really don't want to do this. I really, really, really don't, but it may hurt them if I, if I say no. Listen, if they cannot respect your no, then they will not respect you. If they cannot respect your no, then they will not respect you. But when you are boldly say, I don't want to go to this movie because, you know, it's too many blood and guts and, you know, I, I, it just doesn't sit well with me. When you speak up and reveal your heart, become vulnerable before them, that reveals another phase of relationship, another phase altogether, another phase of respect, another phase of love. Because when they receive your no, it comes another, uh, another realm of respect, another realm of intimacy. But when we're just living in a line, you don't like going to those type moves, but you go anyway, but you really, really, really don't like it, but you're just going on because to make somebody else happy, and all the while, you are deteriorating yourself. You're hurting yourself because deep inside, you know you don't like it, and you know it, and you don't think that you're worthy enough to open your mouth. So that's hurting your own self-worth. Are you hearing me? We're almost done. Luke 9 24. Well, let's look at verse 23. Luke 9, 23 on the King James Version says this. And he said unto them all, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's a life of self-sacrifice. Verse 24, and whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now we're going to look at this just for a moment before we close out. The Bible says, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Let's stop right there and look at that. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. The word save here in the context means to rescue from danger or destruction, to keep safe. Whoever 
will rescue his life from danger or keep safe his life or just remain safe will lose. The word lose here means to destroy, to render useless. It means to perish or to put into harm's way. The Lord said, if you try to keep your life safe, just safe. You live a safe, tamed life. Don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. You don't want to make any waves. You don't want to make any decisions for yourself. You're just going to coast on through life. The Lord said, well, if you do that, you're going to lose your life. That is, uh, you're going to destroy your life. Your life will be useless. And someone that lives a life that way won't make any decisions for themselves, won't make any ruffles, won't speak up, won't make any demands. That life is a useless life, void of life. If you're always waiting on someone else to make your own decisions and you never say anything, that's a useless life, void of life. You'll never go anywhere. You'll never do anything. There'll never be any fruit. You'll never have any fulfillment. You'll never have any joy. You'll never have any peace. You'll never have any satisfaction. you never have any of that if you're always waiting on someone else to tell you what to do because you're afraid of ruffling their feathers. The Lord said, again, whosoever will save his life, rescue it from danger, keep it safe. You're going to end up losing it. You're not going to have any life. But he said, but whosoever will lose his life, that is, put yourself in harm's way for my sake. He said, for my sake shall save it. It is only, we only find life when we put our life in harm's way. When we put ourselves out there, when we know, well, this is what God said and and, and, and I want to do this in the church. I want to do this in my church. So I'm going to be bold and I'm going to go up and I'm going to ask the pastor. I'm going to ask the elders. I'm going to ask the ministers to do this. And, and I'm going to ask. And they may tell me no. See, what, what we're doing? They're afraid of punishment. But don't let the no be punishment. Because if God's not saying do it here, if he's telling you, he's saying do it somewhere. He wants it done. That's why he's telling you to do it. But if we're so afraid, I, I might mess up. Uh, I may make the wrong decision. And so you never do anything. You're trying to save your life. And Jesus said, you're going to lose it. So I tell you today, from the Lord, it's time to live. It's time to, time to take responsibility for your own happiness. Stop waiting for somebody else to make you happy. It's time to take responsibility for your own happiness, your own satisfaction. It's time to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. Stop looking at everybody else to make you happy or for everybody else to please you. It's time to take your own responsibility for it. Stop waiting on others tell you what God has already told you. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We are done in Jesus' mighty name. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org.